0: Welcome to Sonic's Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonic's Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonic's aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to Sonic's Flight. This is episode number 32 and look back at 2017, I'll look ahead to 2018, and maybe a little beyond. 2017 is in the books, and there's a number of things that stand out in the Sonics community, and in the Sonics Flight podcast. So we're going to look back and talk about some of the more significant things that occurred, some of the topics that we covered, and the popular podcasts that came out in 2017, and then look ahead to the next year, and the things we are either looking forward to covering, topics that are coming up, Or just things that, uh, in general, that the year should be bringing. And then lastly, we'll wrap this up with a, a look at the Sonics Flight Team's wish list for Sonics Aircraft. And that's all the things that we think Sonics Aircraft ought to do, ought to develop, they ought to work on or change. So this is essentially the most wanted list for 2018. And maybe give them some insight as to what things that the community thinks are worth their time. I'm your host, Jeff Schultz, builder and pilot of Sonic 604 and Sonic 1374. Joining me, once again, two good flying buddies, Gary Motley and John Gillis. Gary is the builder of Hound Dog, an AeroV-powered Sonic's tail dragger. He's a longtime pilot, former CFI, a multi-time airplane builder. So, Gary, uh, Happy New Year, and uh, what are you up to?
1: Well, Happy New Year to you, too, guys.
0: Uh, Just
1: basically bite my time. You know, I'm kind of like in between at the moment, you know, my... My second uh, certification back in, in September kind of bit the bullet after about 30 hours of flight time. So I've been hassling and dealing with the FAA and the insurances. We basically settled with insurance. so I'm waiting for a check so I can start buying more parts and getting back out there and turning some more wrenches on it. Um, secondarily, though, I've been kind of participating with the Sonics that I did sell to a really nice guy at Fort Collins. We just finished the uh, annual condition inspection on that. And I have to say, everything really came out nice. Uh, Engine compressions after uh, another 370 hours on this particular engine, still running 72 to 78. But all we had to do was tighten a couple of bolts, and it was really ready to to go. So he was excited. I was happy to see it still doing really well as well.
0: So, Gary, there's a couple of things there that um, we're going to have to circle back to maybe uh, next time. Uh, maybe a little more in-depth on the uh, experience with your current project, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the long-term success that you've enjoyed with your AeroV. So those are two great topics. Uh, I'm going to put them on the shelf, and we will come back to them next time. So here's the teaser for anybody listening. Catch us next time, and we'll talk about those topics. Good deal. Also here, uh, John Gillis. John flies his YX with his well-known speed Cal. John's best known for his various modifications, including his toe brakes, his tip-back canopy, and his other interesting things that he, uh, he's always trying something new. So, John, uh, have you been getting any flying in, and have you been working on any new projects? My flying has been down, basically, since I got back from Reklaw. I pulled the, bay, the
2: plane down for an annual, and, uh, The Jabiru had a service bulletin to to replace the uh, flywheel bolts, and I had some other maintenance to do. So I had to pull the engine off the aircraft to get that done. What's been keeping me from finishing the annual is I'm working on my commercial glider rating. And uh, so almost every other weekend, I'm tied up with the CFI and uh, flying gliders instead of uh, working on the plane. But the weather hasn't been great, so... You know, it's a, it's a trade-off. I hope to get the plane back in the air uh, this weekend or next weekend.
0: You know, this is the classic dilemma. Do I work on the project or do I go goof off
2: and fly? Well, my problem is I'm, I'm having to sit down with in, in ground school to get my commercial rating because it's a lot more stringent than just getting your private. So learning all the nuances of, uh, you know, T-Skew uh, charts and, and flight planning for gliders and things
0: is a – whole different realm cool well um you'll have to keep us informed on how all that's going when the weather gets good i think you're going to get the itch to get your yx back in the air so i'm sure it'll take care of itself
2: yeah i mean it's ready to go i i had a problem with one of the brakes and ordered some more parts and should be in as soon as i can put a little time to it the other problem we have in colorado is it's ski season and uh so those odd days that we want to go up skiing, it takes away
0: from flying and working on planes. All right. Well, good. And then also uh, back again is Mike Needenthal. Mike has taken some time off from his day job flying to exotic locations. And and uh, he's going to go over some of these, uh, these 2017, 2018 topics. So, Mike, what have you been doing lately? Well,
3: I've just been trying to fly a little bit. Uh, John helped me. Uh, I've uh, moved into the... Uh the swivel tailwheel uh, flyboy accessories tailwheel he helped me put that on so i'm trying to get some time online with that and see if i how i like it so so far so good
0: any problems doing the swap to that new tailwheel
3: uh only when we're outside and the wind's blowing and it's cold
0: and, <laughs>
3: we're, and we're trying to drill through titanium and uh anyhow
2: we had some issues with um he has the sonic six inch tailwheel uh-huh. And it has a smaller diameter bolt than the Flyboys, and so you know you have to go back and order more bushings and things to to get it all to work properly. And so it's it's been about a month a month long process of of false starts to get
0: that tailwheel on. Really, the only difficulty was just not having all the bits and pieces um, at one time. Then, huh? yeah, you know he he what, what Mike does is he flies up to my
2: house. And then, uh, you know, he wants it all done within an hour and so he could fly home, (laughs) take care of the dogs. And so we get to looking at it and we go, well, if we take this off, we got to get this stuff. And I don't have those bushings. Go order these and then come back. And the last weekend, which also took away from my annual and my flight training for my CFI to work on Mike's tailwheel. Uh, But I think we we got it successful, and it seems to be working, although I think he's still complaining about something on it.
0: (laughs) Well, John, you do this to yourself. Um, When you bill yourself as a miracle worker, then everybody just expects miracles from you. So you've got no one to blame but yourself. But he can turn
2: it on. He can pirouette the plane now, you know, in the taxiway. So that's I, awesome. I think he did that without the breakaway tail wheels. <laughs> I remember
3: seeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man.
2: but that that required full throttle <clears throat> and push down the stick to get the tail to come up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad you guys are uh, are staying busy. As you know, I I've been gone the last couple of well, not quite two months, but I've been uh, overseas in Puerto Rico helping out with the disaster response out there. So not a lot of flying for me. I did get a chance to go run a skycatcher through one of the flight schools on on the island and flew along the coast and along the mountains and generally had a pretty good time flying around, checking the sights out. The thing that really impressed me is that Puerto Rico is not very big. Uh, Even in the skycatcher, doing 105 knots, it only took about 45 minutes to get from one end to the other and then uh, to fly back along the mountains. um, I think you could have flown around the entire perimeter in about three hours. I flew about two hours, and I didn't. I didn't hit the southern half of the island, but I got to see most of it. So that was pretty cool. That's nice. I am glad to be back, though. Puerto Rico, although it is uh, the weather's great, this is the perfect time of year to be there. There's still a lot of damage. There's um, whole sections of the country without power. Driving is um, is pretty sporty, to say the least. No traffic lights, and people just sort of do whatever they want. All right, guys. Well, why don't we jump right into this? So, first on the list, um, the 2017 look back. Briefly, I want to cover what we think the significant news or other occurrences were. And the first one that comes to my mind right off the bat was uh, Jeremy's accident. The NTSB concluded their investigation and released their final report. So I think that was, that was significant. I, I know a lot of people were waiting on that report. We were looking for some sort of smoking gun and clarity as to what exactly happened and and what what's caused the accident sequence and unfortunately we just really didn't get that we um we got bits and pieces of what happened but we didn't we didn't get what we were looking for and so that was a a bit of a disappointment well i would
2: agree i mean we all you know hung on the ntsb website waiting for that smoking gun you know was it the turbo was it fuel was it maintenance was it jeremy and then that result was, we don't know. You know, obviously, it was Jeremy making the, the, um, the impossible turn back that caused the accident. But, you know, what caused him to do that? So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of empty questions.
0: And um, as a, a side effect of, of that failure to really pin the cause down, there has been a general slipping of confidence in, uh, in the AeroV engine. That's a little disappointing that they weren't able to positively identify something. A devil you know is better than a devil you don't know, and I think that's kind of what we were left with. We don't know what happened. So, All right, um, the, the other thing on my list um, I thought was, was pretty significant was uh, Jabiru. They developed and released their Gen 4 engine, so those are starting to ship. Uh, we got our first kind of preview look at it early last year, and then uh, the first ones hit the ground Sometime in the spring, and now customers are starting to take delivery of them. And that looks like that's going to be the, at least for the foreseeable future, that's going to be the, the the iteration of the six-cylinder engine that is going to continue on forward. It's got all the all the latest things that that Jabiru has been working on. It's got the big through bolts. It's got the, uh, the upgraded case hardware. It's got the roller cam and the hydraulic lifters, uh, all that stuff. So they took it. They streamline the production by swapping out some of the milled cnc machine parts for cast parts uh, now that the configuration is set there's no real advantage to making everything on a cnc when you can use a casting uh, just as easily and produce a, a quicker cheaper part so i i uh, i'm very anxious to see these things on the nose of a sonics and uh, and confirm what we believe to be true, which is that the Gen 4 engine is going to be a really good, smooth, attractive power point. Well, John got to see one up front and personal, didn't you, John?
2: Well, I, got, uh, I went to a Jabiru uh, engine clinic in Denver uh,
1: in September,
2: and he brought in a head and a cylinder from the Gen 4. He didn't have the full engine. And it was a pretty impressive casting. Um, very much aircraft-grade uh, I guess when you look at, you know, like a Continental or a Lycoming, where they have the screw-on head instead of the bolt-on heads, that's what this is. And so it's, it's like a little tiny, or not tiny, a, a smaller version of, the, of a Continental. Uh, very impressive. I would like to see a full engine. Um, it would, it would If I ever re-engine
0: my, my aircraft, I would really consider one of these. And the price actually went down for the Gen 4s.
3: Did we see that at Oshkosh, John? I thought we I thought yeah they had you, one on display at Oshkosh.
2: Yeah, they did have one on display, but I, you know, when you can, when actually you can see it and t- you know turn the head off and and yeah. uh, feel it, it's a whole different thing. But it looks like a really good positive improvement to the Jabberu.
0: All right, the other thing uh, which I, I was really kind of pleased to see is. Um, Sonics uh, released the remainder of the Sonics Xenos B-model, including the Quick Builds. So the B-model came out, and then they started working on delivering customer kits, and then it was get the Quick Build kits out, which they did last year, and then spread that B-model transition to the rest of the fleet. So the YX B-models, the Sonics B-models, and the Xenos B-models. And so they shipped their first Xenos B-model kits and their Xenos Quick Builds which uh, I think is going to make, especially the Xenos, I think it's going to make it a more attractive, more widely regarded motor glider. So I think that was a, an important upgrade for them. I'm glad that they didn't just stop at the Sonics and YX.
2: As a, uh, a budding uh, commercial glider pilot, there is definitely a need for a motor glider in entry into the experimental market, because there, there simply isn't one from other manufacturers. And so I think it's going to be... It could be a, a real boost. Um, I'd consider one, but I don't want to spend you know fifty thousand dollars on one
0: right now. Yeah, and that's why I think that the the Zenos would make a great club a motor glider. You know, you you spread the cost around. You add it to the fleet. There's a bunch of pilots who would enjoy using it. It doesn't have to be your one and only airplane. It's just one more that you have access to.
2: Well, and plus, it's not going to be a competitive plane for doing any kind of. Uh, competitive soaring but it would definitely be a good trainer and just a a good take it up and and go grab some thermals and spend uh four or five hours in the air or take it over pike's peak and get in the in the wave see what it'll do oh it'll it'll definitely go fine you get into the wave you're uh you're gonna have to kick the spoilers on and cut the engine just to get back out of it
3: plus plus the side by side might be advantage too so yeah Side by side seating, you know. So that's you, very rarely do you see a glider like that. You almost well, there's a couple of motor gliders out there, but they're very expensive. So,
0: well, when we uh, when we bring the subsonics into the Colorado Springs Subsonics Flying Club, that'll be our second plane as we add a, a, a Zenos <laughs> B model to it.
3: <laughs> so. And we do we get we get we get our planes for all missions.
0: That's right, are, yeah.
1: You you were thinking this is a serial activity. This well, could be you know, parallel. I, I kind of think we need to keep buying a lot more lotto tickets. I did buy one today, but I think you guys need to start pitching in too for the
3: tickets. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: hey guys, I've been investing
2: in bitcoins, and uh, up until last couple of weeks, we were all we were all lined up for
0: this. So. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, the last thing on my list is uh, the first customer B model flew. In 2017 and he had a ul power engine so those are two really uh really exciting things uh we're going to get him on leroy brant we're going to get him on and talk to him in a couple of months and we're going to hear all about his ul engine and um and about his b model and leroy is unique in that he's got a legacy model and he's got a b model both in his hangar so talk about someone who can give you side-by-side comparison that's the guy that'd
1: be great well, he's pretty ambitious. I think doing the conversion project and he's from a legacy to a P model is pretty ambitious. But So we ought to talk to him.
2: Yeah, I don't think I'd, I'd approach that project myself. I would just go
1: start from scratch. Yeah, I would too as well.
0: So, what else? Um, what jumps out at you guys um, looking back at 2017?
1: As far as the topics
0: we've covered, that or stories or whatever. Yeah. My favorites were the Lonnie
2: Prince episode with the props and the Bob Knuckles, uh, the two Bob Knuckles, because we couldn't get them in one. I think Knuckles was a, was a great one for,
1: for the uh, the electronics aspect of it. I think we could do several more episodes in yeah. that as well.
0: I,
3: I liked him, and then I liked the jet.
0: Those were definitely uh, really fun episodes. That's right. Talk about guys who are out there, you know, either, either they know what they're talking about and they've got a tremendous amount of technical expertise or they're living the dream, so... And John Corneal, he's definitely living it.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's not, you know, a ex-military or like Mike, uh, you know, a commercial uh, jet pilot. <laughs> he, he's just coming up through the ranks like us, and it's like, I'm living the dream. I'm, I bought myself a jet. I'm flying it.
0: It's pretty cool. Well, looking back at what we did in 2017, we had 19 episodes of Sonic's Flight. We started with episode 12, that was the rivet episode, and we ended with episode 31, Prince Props, like, like you talked about. We covered a bunch of building techniques, including we did brakes and landing gear, we did auxiliary fuel, electrical systems, we had the episode on vacuum bending the leading edge skin. We did a bunch of flying techniques, including flying acro, we did um, a discussion of better training and some advice to reduce accidents. We talked about pattern flying and leaning tips and a, and a few quick tips uh, that we worked into other episodes. And we, uh, we had an, an episode where we attempted to talk about the handling characteristics of the Sonics and, and put some definition on why everyone enjoys the feel of their Sonics.
1: Also, we did some, some cross-country flight planning and emergency preparedness, didn't we?
0: That's right, yeah. We talked about taking long trips both with Kip Lurie and Jim Hickey about their cross-countries. We covered the Dynon avionics autopilots with David Weber and got a look at how Dynon is, is really being innovative and in supporting home-built markets. It's easy for someone to go after the, the high-end stuff, and I'm just thrilled that Dynon is, is so passionate about working with all home-builds and not just the you know six-figure home-builds.
3: And then we had the shows we went to also. like We had Oshkosh and we had uh, Reckloff
0: which was kind of nice. Yeah, and you know, those were um those were quick episodes, but yeah. uh to try to just share the the enjoyment of, you know, why why do we go to these things? Well, there's a lot to do and there's a lot of fun stuff to do. And the more you look, the more you find, and I, hopefully that message is coming across. Well, and the,
2: those uh those flying episodes were just to try to get people to come to the flyin so they could be on our uh podcast. Right. The right. <laughs> That's right.
3: That's right.
0: Yeah, we're not going to pass up any good uh, recruiting um, opportunities. <laughs> we,
1: we certainly need more mules for wherever we go
2: to bring stuff.
0: <laughs>
2: yep. Carl is our mule, and he has a
3: lot of planes to be the
2: mule yeah, for him, We so. could
1: always use more mules. <laughs> he's, already
3: pl- he's already planning uh, the 175 go to Oshkosh and be our mule. Uh, good. I, I guess uh, he's, he, I heard Gary might be his co-pilot again.
1: It's always a possibility. Well, that that's means they're going to from...
3: go really slow. <laughs> no, not with that Franklin, they won't. No, that's
0: true. No, yeah. you guys got to start working on Carl now. Right? You got to convince him he needs to take all three airplanes. You guys don't understand.
2: <laughs> Carl is taking on a huge project to bring a giant fly in into Meadow Lake, Colorado
1: next year. It's September. As big as the right. Yeah, yeah wow. it's,
2: it's going to be in September. He's talking about
0: uh,
1: live music and everything else. It should be
2: good. Oh, yeah.
0: That's going to be a big deal.
3: We're all going to have to help him.
0: We might have to piggyback the Mile High Fly-in on Carl's Meadow Lake Fly-in. Oh sure, <laughs> that'd be a great opportunity to you know to roll them both together and make it a really good event. Well, we were we were hoping to get to a few topics that just didn't pan out in 2017, but fear not, they're on the list for 2018. So we we still need to do our Aero V Tips episode. Everything from building it up the first time to operating and maintaining it and rebuilding it. And, you know, as an experienced AeroV driver, you, you pick things up over time. And so we got to go through, we got to run the list and make sure that people can build their engines and they can maintain them and get good, satisfactory performance. So that is definitely on the list for this year. We will identify a time and, and work it in. So, Gary, you're going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting as you impart, you know, how to make your AeroV. Fly as successfully as you have. You know, you've got hundreds of hours on your ROV, and it has done excellent for you. So, we want to hear all those tips.
1: Yeah, I think we probably need to move that up pretty pretty quickly. I don't know. As most of us have been monitoring the Sonics Builders' uh, net site. There's been a lot of discussion about ROVs and, yeah. and the pros and cons. So, you know, you, you might know, have I'm to calm by doing it pretty soon.
3: You might have to calm all those people down a little bit. You know, well,
1: that's all right. You know, lively discussion is always good. That's right. Gary's Gary's the AeroV whisperer.
0: That's right. Well, you know, there are a lot of people that have uh, high time on their AeroVs. You know, Bob Micah's been flying his for years. Uh, Tony Lewis in Florida put 800 hours on his AeroV before he re-engined it with the Jabiru. And then he put another 800 hours on his Jabiru. So there are people out there that fly all the time and take them all over the place. And you never hear about the, the problems they don't have. So we're going to try and just share some best practices. And, yeah, we're going to put that in the rotation here real soon. Okay. We have a whole bunch of engine options that we want to get to. Viking engines, Corvair engines, UL Power, Rotax. These are still on the list. And we're hoping to get these lined up and talk about the pros and cons. And one of the common themes that we'll hit on is, is when you get off of the factory-supported roadmap, a lot of the development falls to you. And every engine, setting aside its basic pros and cons, every engine is going to be a little different in, in what you have to do to create essentially a custom installation. So we'll try and sample as many of these different engine installations with people that are actually doing it and and hear from them what went well and and what advice they can pass on to others who are doing that as well. And then uh, there's always room for the factory personnel to come on and, and talk about topics that we all want to hear about. So we want to have John and Mark and Carrie back. There are lots of things that they are the experts on, and we want to talk to them. So we're going to get them back in 2018 and, and cover some more of these interesting topics with the factory. Yeah, we certainly hope so. One of the things that comes to mind is uh, we really need to do a wing rigging episode. The factory... Uh, <laughs> They're, they're a natural to talk us through the wing rigging process. Those guys have made a, at least a dozen factory prototypes over the years. So they've got the, the technique down. They've got the tools down. And they can dispel a lot of innuendo and, and bad practice by saying, you know, a proven method that works.
1: And it's amazing. Well, that, that, you that have so many different techniques that all will do the same thing from from fluid levels to the fancy laser stuff.
2: Our, our uh, episode with Carrie on just tuning the AeroV, it, it dispelled so many of the rumors and uh, ways to do things. Just do it the way they they recommend, and, and you'll have a good result.
0: Well, and, and that actually was one of our most popular episodes, according to the survey. And we'll get to the survey here next. If you look at, you know, how many words are in the manual, the, the arrow injector tuning manual that talk about tuning the arrow injector, it's all there. It's all very succinct, but it's only a few hundred words and it doesn't have the subtext that having a conversation back and forth. So just hearing it from him and talk through and approach it a little bit different direction. Everybody has different things that resonate with them. And hearing that from Kerry, I think really cleared up a lot of people. All right. So, um, John or Gary, Mike, were there any other episodes that were high on the list that are going to have to get thrown back in on the 2018 rotation? Well,
1: something I keep thinking about, and we talked about auxiliary fuel tanks, and as we start seeing more of these alternative engines, you know, like the, the 350s and so forth from UL, uh, they're going to be relatively thirsty aircraft. And I know the, the B models have gone up to 20 gallons, but I'm almost thinking we're going to need to start thinking about uh, you know auxiliary fuel tanks, drop tanks, <laughs> whatever it takes to sling underneath these wings to get a little bit more fuel in these things for real cross country people.
2: Well, a lot of a lot of us have just you know you know kind of band a a six gallon booster to give us an extra hour of fuel. Yeah. Um, I would like to see some ideas on a more permanent solution. You know the old, the <clears throat> Jim Hickey has the wing tanks, and those are uh, those are really interesting. I'd love to have a set, but they're not being made right now. So
0: you
1: know,
2: well, like someone maybe in some of the
1: the old fashioned you know P fifty one drop tanks, although we don't want to be dropping them because they're just too expensive. Uh, but something like the little pod tanks, you know, might be something a little bit easier to do, especially as a retrofit object rather than trying to go back through the entire wing structure.
2: Well, you know, another, going back to that with an extra tank is I would love to have smoke, and I just don't have room on my Jabiru-powered Way-X to put smoke anywhere um, that is within my CG limit, on my Way-X, well,
1: but I would love to have There's it. a lot of smoke in Colorado these days. Yeah, but it needs to be coming behind. You mean instead of out of the cockpit? Oh, I see. Yes, that's, right. that's right. <laughs>
2: hey, not all of us can fly a Viking. <laughs> that's
0: right. Well, apparently, I can't fly one either. That's right. Well, you know, and it, it, things mean different things depending on where in the country you are, and so. <laughs> Smoking and getting high in Colorado means something very different than they do in other states. That's true. That's right. <laughs> more and more the same, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mentioned the, uh, the listener survey. So the, the 2017 listener feedback survey, we had pretty good response. And so I'm going to just go over some of the highlights from the survey. So the goal of the survey was to gain a better insight from listeners on how they listened, what topics they enjoyed, or or that they didn't enjoy, what they'd like to see in the future. So just tell us, are we meeting the mark? What are we doing that we ought to change? And and, uh, what things do they want to see more of? And so we got some really good feedback. Uh, There were nearly a 100 responses that were offered up. Not all of those had comments, but a good portion did predominantly uh, responses from listeners who've been listening to most of the shows. There were a few people that, that took the survey that said that they had not listened very long and they were going back and catching up. Generally, people were happy with the format, the length of the of the episodes, the variety of the topics. I actually thought that people were going to say that the episodes were too long, at being an hour, hour and 20 minutes, and uh, there were very few complaints about that. They, they gener- generally seemed to think that we were Covering the material in a good amount of time. And so I guess we'll just keep doing it. (laughs) We did get some comments about poor audio quality early on. And uh, that's a learning experience. And hopefully we've got that sorted out. No guarantees that we're going to be a polished professional presentation. But we're doing our best here. (laughs) And then uh, some of the favorite topics that came up were the building tips, the flying info, and then a lot of those safety-related topics, the acro and and stalls and and pattern work, were surprisingly popular. Favorite episodes? Bob Knuckles' electrical episodes were were right up there. Uh, The subsonics and Lonnie Prince episodes were also very well-received. So between those three or four episodes, those were the most common And then the one that really stood out was Carrie talking about tuning the aero injector. And that actually was the number one most popular episode. So, Carrie, if you're listening, people want you to come back. Um, They they told us we want more Carrie. And I'm sure there's a Saturday Night Live reference in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, lastly... um, the, the criticisms that the comments had, um, they talked about sort of the ebb and flow of the show, uh, too much chit chat, you know, just get right to the good stuff, too USA centric. And I apologize, uh, we're going to bring in some other folks to kind of round out the, the Sonics community. And that's definitely coming up. And then they, they, they said that sometimes we're too easy on the factory, that, um, we don't call them to task often enough and that we're, uh, we're, I don't know, we're being factory cheerleaders. So we try to call it like we see it. I think we're all pretty happy with what we see. We, uh, we definitely will call the factory to the carpet if we think they're not doing the right thing. So, guys, what do you think from all those comments and all the feedback we got?
1: Well, you know, if, if I like to talk about the factory support thing, I think we probably should bring in several more people who have done with other kits, uh, particularly those who may have done Sonics versus some other kit as well. Uh, and to see, and we do kind of kind of, a, kind of an apples-to-apples apples kind of thing if you can, you know, talking about plans, factory support, quality of parts. And you can see, I mean, everyone's got pluses and minuses, but you know, I, I sure. think a lot of times for the first-time builders, if they've not had any previous experience in, in, in kit building and dealing with all, all the, the nuances there, you might be surprised sometimes, you know, how much support you do get from from a company such as Sonics. Gary, uh, certainly, but we, certainly we don't perfect. have
2: We don't have anybody that's built kits from two different manufacturers. I mean,
1: oh, come I'm on. I'm sure you have. There's
2: nobody. <laughs> There's nobody. <That's> right.
1: <laughs> I guess no one's listening to my voice, are they? <laughs> Who in their right mind?
2: <laughs> so, what you're saying, Gary, is we need a, an episode based on Gary.
1: Well, you need to, on, on just kit manufacturers in general, let's just get a bunch of people. The RV guys, the Box guys, the Sonics guys, the Zenith guys, and whoever you else know, we might get. Gary, you have such a soothing voice that I
2: will listen to that podcast.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> no, Gary, you're right, though. Um, when your sample size is one home-built project, you have nothing to compare it to. So that's probably a valid observation that there are challenges in other products and other companies offerings and sometimes you don't know how good you got it until you start looking around at the at the competition but they're all just a little
1: bit different there's always you know strengths and minuses between all of them i feel
0: i agree we will try to circle back and um and just talk about that at at some point as well
3: well and and as far as you know getting a little Uh, tough with Sonics I mean that's kind of like we love the airplane so it's kind of hard to you know we can we can maybe get some good criticism but it's hard to really beat them down because it's 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 what we it's what it's the kind we like I mean it's what we what what we've loved
2: and once we go hard on Sonics we're not going to get any uh, access to them and I, I understand yeah well that is kind of you know what's your purpose then well our purpose is to promote the uh the aircraft so exactly um we have to be at least fair to the the factory and i think we have been.
3: i think so
0: yes and you really have to put yourself in somebody else's shoes also this idea that you know no good deed goes unpunished and and there's a lot of examples of that i know sonics gets beat up and it's like man we're We're trying. We're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to update our documentation and identify problems and develop, you know, fixes. And and yet people keep beating us up mercilessly. Well, that's that's true. And hopefully we can tell both sides of the story so people understand what they really do go through and they see it from that side. I, I don't want to see
2: us being an adversary to Sonics. But I also don't think that we are cheerleaders for them either. I think we are taking a very evened approach with them, and and explaining the issues and trying to get everybody to work together on it.
0: And that's my goal: be fair, talk about things from an experience perspective, not from a hype or a marketing or a, a theoretical perspective. You know, we get we talk about our own experiences, and we might only be a few people, but. We're always going to come at it from a position of experience and try and share what we what we have personally done and observed. And so hopefully we can bring that perspective to to how we deal with the factory also. All right, well, looking ahead, we uh, we hit on some of these things, but 2018 we got a lot of ground to cover this year. I think I added up the the running list of topic ideas. And there's like 40 different topics on there. So trying to pick out the most pressing ones and prioritize is um, its something that I'm, I'm constantly going through. And this is kind of what I just sketched out based on our conversations and listener feedback from the survey. So in no particular order. These are some of the things that we're looking forward to covering. Engine options. I talked about this a second ago, but all those other engines that people want to use in a Sonics, uh, Corvair, UL Power, Rotax, Viking, any of the others, um, we want to talk to people who are actually doing it and can talk about their projects. Uh, this is not a sales pitch for any one particular engine. It's a thoughtful discussion of of what it's going to be like if you choose to go down that road. Uh, we got to do the aero V-tips. That is something that we desperately need to get out there, including we got to talk with the factory on the latest update on the turbo. You know, what are they seeing? What are the the refinements that they're working on? And how does this thing continue to evolve? And that's high on our list of of topics. We need to cover some more firewall-forward best practices. And this complements our episodes on fuel system, carb tuning, engine cooling. But just... The basic airframe is super solid. You know, these things do not have problems in the air. They have, if they're going to have problems, it's going to originate in some sort of engine operation. And part of that comes down to how you installed your firewall forward accessories and the basic installation. So we're going to continue to talk about best practices. There's building tips that uh, everybody has to go through that we want to cover. And I talked about the wing rigging, but things like cowling and canopy. We need to talk about those as well. We haven't touched it either of those. Um, and, and those are some of the more challenging aspects of, of completing your plane. You kind of get them to where they look like they're getting close and then you got to fit the cowling or you got to do your canopy trimming and that can, that can be a little bit, uh, daunting to a new builder. So we're going to go over that stuff. And then other things like, you know, your basic electrical. Um, we talked about electrical systems with Bob Knuckles, but boiling it down to, you know the types of things and where do you get your accessories and how do you start designing a real basic plan to kind of get your electrical system installed so we'll do some stuff like that on basic electrical there is tremendous movement in low cost avionics and so i expect at sunfun and oshkosh we're going to see some really interesting low cost not just adsb type units but we're seeing you know, strobes that are that are LED. We're seeing um, handheld and, and ultra compact radios that are, are really interesting. We're seeing um, panels that use tablets uh, that have wireless connectivity, all that kind of stuff. So I think that that's going to be something that we're going to get to probably around Oshkosh time and we can really kind of get a sense of what new stuff is out there. And then there's a whole bunch of, of interviews, and there are some really cool, innovative things being done out there. Builders who have something unique to contribute. Uh, we talked about Leroy and his B model, so we're going we're gonna to talk to him. And there are others out there, and we want to talk to them. So that's, that's kind of the way I see it at this point. We are always open to input. Like I have said before, if, if you're out there and you have something interesting and unique to contribute, send us an email and come on and talk about it with us. You know, even if uh, we have to kind of hunt around for a good time to work it in, we can make that work. So send us an email, share whatever that interesting, unique thing is that you think uh, other people would like to hear about. So guys, what, what else is on, is on the priority list that I didn't already cover? Well, Maybe again, we i we going um, to talk
1: about an insurance episode too. There uh, you know, go. acquiring insurance for home builds. You know, what happens after incidences or accidents? Because uh, I, I know, think I've that's, a, that's a lot of other builders it's recently that have been calling me about how to get insurance and what do you do and go about it. And things have changed since I first did my Sonics uh, back in t- uh, 2011 in the insurance market.
2: Well, and you've had a an episode where you needed to uh engage that insurance. So that's a, that's a really good episode. That might
0: be the next one, right, Jeff? Well, definitely um at the top of the list. Well,
3: maybe also you might you might want to get Mike Farley back just to let us know where 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 his pre, since he's our president, so to speak, to see where yeah. what his thoughts are and to see what, you know, what his plan is for the year and that kind of thing too. That'd be excellent. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a foundation update. That's a good one too. Again, um, people out there, if you have ideas, especially if you want to be a guest, send us an email. We, we probably have about the next two or maybe three episodes already kind of in the works. On Short Final, uh, we're going to talk Xenos with Dave Dooley, another local Colorado guy yeah. in his Xenos. Um, we've got a couple of our Aussie builders that are, are, are getting lined up to talk to us about Sonics Down Under. We uh, I'm trying to get... Dan Wiesman on to talk Corvair and he's just been a super busy guy. So that one, uh, hopefully we can push that up. Leroy is, is lined up in a, in a couple of months. So we've got, we've got several that are right there at the queue. So it'll be a race to see which one actually comes up first. They're all good. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's transition to the final piece of this episode. And this is the wish list. I talked about this, uh, initially, so this is the things that that we think Sonics ought to do. These are the the initiatives they ought to to tackle. This is where they ought to spend their their staff time and their R&D and engineering time, the products or the refinements that we think that they ought to come out with. So I'm going to start running down through some of my stuff and you guys jump in uh tell me if you disagree or you think there's other things. And this is just our opinion. Some of this is Based on input that people have have sent in in the form of comments and feedback, but um, we'll uh, we'll try to make this as useful to Sonics, and maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll gain an insight as to what people are, are really wanting. So I've kind of organized these into into groups. Um, the first is just kind of a general a general group. This is not necessarily the most pressing. It's just the first on my list. <laughs> so the Sonics the arrow conversions brake kit. This has been uh, a, f- a frustration for a lot of people, and uh, I've seen this kind of firsthand. the The install kits, the 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 backing plate. plate that yeah, the mounting plate. Thank you. The mounting plate doesn't line up on the tail dragger, and this is a super easy thing. This is one of those things that they ought to just fix it and be done with it. Either sell two different kits, one for a tri gear and one for a tail dragger that align the brakes properly, or At least have some upgraded instructions that allow you to sort it out or a universal mounting plate. But the way it is now, they keep getting a black eye over these, over these mounting kits that don't fit tail draggers and they gotta fix that. That's too easy to not fix it. So that's first on my list. Brake install kits. Right there along with the brake install kits, um, I think that it might be time now that more people are going to hydraulic brakes, it might be time to relook their, their brake or, their mounting scheme to the axle. So everybody knows that Sonics uses that single tab. A single bolt holds the brake, whether it's the cable brakes or the hydraulic brakes, to the axle. And that tab is generally sufficient, but sometimes it doesn't have quite enough strength. And so we've seen people break them off, we've had people modify them, or they've gone to to modifying them with like Tracy O'Brien mounting plates on there. So I think that that would be another thing to take a look at and just revise the the mounting points. Either add some additional ears or put something else like Tracy O'Brien does, just to kind of clean that up a little bit. Any thoughts on those two? I agree with well, both of them.
2: Yeah, I have Tracy O'Brien's, and the reason I went with them and their brakes, I, ha- I have both their uh, gear legs and their brakes, is their brakes mount right up to their mounting points. So, yeah, why can't you do something,
0: uh, a standard four-point mount for your brake? I, th- I think that's in the too easy not to do. A little bit of time, you know, clean that up, and then that's going to make a lot of people happy. And it's just going to eliminate a source of frustration. So next thing in kind of the general category, I, I would really like to see him work on the Aero V intake elbows. The mixture distribution coming in that intake elbow is quite a bit different between the front cylinder and the back cylinder, and I think just a little bit more refinement could even that out a little bit. I'm not sure exactly what that would look like, what the solution really needs to be, but I'd like to see him spend a little bit of time with the expressed goal to make the distribution, the mixture distribution, forward and aft more consistent on a naturally aspirated Aero V. Gary, I know you have tons of time on this. What, what's your opinion on that?
1: Um, I mean, it could certainly help. You know, I'm not sure it would be my biggest priority. Um, I'm willing to accept a little bit of differences in there because I don't think it really gives me much performance difference one way or the other, to be honest with you. Uh, But certainly anything we can do to tweak that out and and save some guys uh, some issues because it's one of those things. It's just for whatever luck of the draw, some things work out pretty well. Some people just have, have egregious differences with it and we just never know why. Uh, but, you know, a, a little bit of difference, even 50-point 50, 50 difference between cylinders, I don't really think is going to give you much of a performance difference that you'll ever clinically notice.
0: And one of the things that the, the turbo does is, is um, it mixes that fuel-air mixture up to a much finer, more even distribution. Instead of large blobs of fuel that have momentum to them and continue past the rear cylinders and pile up in the front cylinders, causing your front cylinders to run rich, and your rear to run leaner, mm-hmm. the turbo chops all that up and you get a very even mixture into both cylinders. So we know that there's something to it. The turbo evens out your mixtures like you know like nothing else does. Yeah. So I think there might be some a, a way to kind of get a similar effect by just tweaking the 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 intake elbows themselves. So I'd like to see him work on that some more. Alright, I did get some some comments, I'll just throw these out there. There were a few comments on providing a uh like a like an enhanced cross-country stability you know so when you're when you're flying if you're gonna build the airplane more for cross-country travel to have like a large tail option or or larger tail tips or something to kind of make it a little bit more hands-off you know call it a stability mod or something like that at one time the fiberglass tail tips were optional, and that's kind of the way they were. Hey, you can put them on, you gain a little bit of area and tame the, the handling a little bit. Um, and so I think that's, at least in, in these couple of comments, that's, I think, where the thinking is. Something that, that makes it a little bit easier for those long cross countries where you're not having to hand fly it every second.
1: Or perhaps if they could work maybe with True Track a little bit more for those uh, aftermarket uh, additions for uh, electronic trim tabs and basically a simplified autopilot would be a good would be a good investment I think.
2: Are those even available anymore? Because they were years like ago. I, I hear very little ago.
1: about them. Every once in a while, I hear a model coming out, but but nothing like the initial hype was now.
2: Yeah, no, two years ago they were the
3: rage, and now they're not there. Now, that, well, they're now they're working on certified airplanes, aren't they? Is that what they're, they're trying to go to the certified side? Yeah,
0: yeah, they are. So, I talked to them last year at Oshkosh, and they were still very, uh, very committed to it. Then I think they're still working on it. I think it's just stuck in in the development process. The last piece I'll throw out, and we talked about this earlier, is a factory approved extended fuel option. Now, there's a whole bunch of ways to do this. You could make a a seatback style tank that fits in that cavity behind the seat. You could do wing tanks or some sort of external option. You could just have a new super deep uh, existing panel tank like we've got now. Just make it a little deeper, you know. There's a variety of ways you can do it with, with the goal of getting more fuel into the airplane. And I'd like to see some sort of factory approved extended fuel option both for the b model and for the legacy let them figure out what the best way to do that is you know we all kind of have our own ideas but i think a factory approved extended fuel option would be extremely popular a lot of people want it and they acknowledge that in the b model but i think um 20 gallons is great but doesn't do anything for us legacy models you know, I think the retrofit market is going to be around for legacy models, both in new engines and in new options. So let's get a nice factory-approved extended fuel option. And, and for me personally, I think just making a larger rotationally molded main fuel tank for the legacy model might be a viable way of doing it. Very few airplanes are nose-heavy to begin with, so they could take a little more weight up front.
1: Yeah. Well, the other big things I'd really like to see, too, is, is a real uh, weather-tight camp cockpit area. Uh, if they could really do something to maximize sealing, uh, to get some weather tightness there, so we don't need to carry uh, rags and towels if we have an to encounter yeah. a, thunder- a thunderstorm. mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: A little heating would be nice too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I used my um, heated seats uh-huh. and when it was thirty-five or thirty-eight degrees here in Mississippi, and uh, I was toasty. Yeah. So
3: those are awesome.
0: Yeah, that's a great way to do yeah, it.
3: Jeff helped me put mine in. They're, they're awesome.
0: Next on my list, uh, engine options. So I think that there are, there are some things in the engine realm that they need to continue to work on. And very first is they need to continue to, to R&D the AeroV turbo. And they need to, to really talk about the things that they're doing and how they're working on that. And really rebuild people's faith and confidence in the product. You know, we know it has tremendous uh, potential. Uh, let, let's get them, let's get them working on it and sharing that as a as a regular update and really putting good info out there. Let's get these problems solved once and for all. Also, I'd like to see uh, detailed instructions for Rotex and UL power installations. And Sonics has resisted this. They have said multiple times that they do not want to be a Rotax installation resource, that you can go to Lockwood or some other Rotax installer, and they could do a much better job. And that's true to a point, but there's nothing like having a factory-approved solution that provides you a roadmap. And so I think it would be in Sonix's best interest to take one of their factory prototypes, develop a Rotax firewall-forward manual for it, and even if they direct you to a third-party vendor for all the actual pieces and bits, just having a roadmap to follow is going to be a, a huge asset. And so the Rotax ha, has been a popular engine in everything else. I think it will continue to be a popular engine, and I think it's time that they really tackle helping builders put Rotax um, engines on their on their airplanes. Gary, what do you think?
1: Well, um, I mean, certainly Rotax is the dominant uh, gorilla in the air, in light aircraft. Engine. Sure, Uh, I'd certainly like to see them do also something with the UL, too. I'm continuing to hope that that's going to work out and be profitable and and a good engine for most of us if we can just find enough fuel source for it.
2: Yeah, I've I've talked to a few uh, prospective builders who said they don't want to go with the songs because they don't do the 912. And if they provided a full firewall forward path, we would have a, uh, a lot more of them.
0: And it's more than just selling, you know, an engine mount and a cowling. It's about a complete installation roadmap. That's really what people, I think, are are looking for. And other companies, they've got that. And so when you buy the Firewall Forward, even if you get, you know, parts from other suppliers, you know exactly how to implement that that installation. And that's, I think, where, where Sonics really needs to step up, specifically on Rotax and UL Power. Um, UO power, I'm particularly interested in. I've been fascinated for a long time, and I'm thrilled that they're gaining some traction. But Rotax is the 800-pound gorilla in the light sport area, and I think they they can cannot afford to ignore it. They need to just bite the bullet and and do it and develop a manual, and that will sell engines and that will sell Sonics. And then I, I mentioned um, you know re-engineering. So as the fleet grows and Airplanes are sold to second and third owners and engines are wore out and they need to be replaced. There's going to be more of these conversions and we're not going to see the pace of legacy completions like we have before. We're going to start seeing B model completions and things like that. But what we are going to see is a steady stream of people who said, I bought this airplane three years ago. I got a great deal on it. I updated the panel with the latest and greatest avionics and now I'm ready for a new engine. And now I want to buy the stuff, not just an engine mount and then be kind of thrown back into the wild. I want to buy all the stuff to put this new engine on it, whatever that new engine is. And I think that, that Sonics, that's a market that they have not tapped into. And I think it's something that they need to be involved in.
2: Um, how do how do the other uh, kit builders deal with that?
0: Gary, you probably know about the Zenith side of it, but just looking and talking to the, to the Zenith guys... When you buy a UL power, you know, a 130 horsepower UL engine for your Zenith, you get it all. I mean, you get pictures and manual and your hoses are cut to the right lengths with the ends attached. They've got, you know, fire sleeve already on there. Now, Zenith doesn't do that. They have a vendor that provides that to their spec, but you get a box with all the important pieces and an instruction manual that tells you exactly where to put things.
1: Yeah, they do, they. One thing about the Zenith was nice is is they do, at least openly encourage people to put just about any kind of engine they want in there within you know weight parameter limits, and you'll see the entire gambit from the O200s to the Rotax to Corvairs uh, to the Vikings to you know just about everything that you can think of, and particularly the UL. Um, the UL has been one of their popular choices, and they do actually have a firewall forward kit. Um, that does, as you said, they've they've already pretty much mapped it out and shown you, you know, diagrams and installations and basically how you need to go about it. Uh, they don't do so much with the other engines, uh, but they do with at least the UL. Um, you know, the legacy engines such as an O two hundred, they do have the firewall as far as the, the cowling and the the engine mount. And, you know, an O two hundred is is relatively straightforward to install. Um, You know, but there's a lot of other sources out there uh, that that are willing to help do that, to provide firewall-forward kits for the Rotax, specifically for the Zenith. So there's a lot of uh, collaboration between the various vendors to accomplish what you need to do. Uh, That would be great, too, if Sonics did not necessarily want to do it themselves. Uh, If there was a way to get some airframes to some of these other firewall-forward kits they could, in turn, basically do the same thing, and then and then sell the kits from from their aspect as well. It's just getting that collaboration together. Uh, you know, the more people we talk to, the you know, the more choices and the more uh, options, and and the better the outcome. So it's just a matter of opening up everything.
0: Absolutely, and I'm sure there's somebody out there that would be willing to partner with Sonics and and do this as a joint venture. Uh, and I think it's important. I think that that it's time that they tackle that and. These engines, you know, in Europe and especially um, in places like Africa and and other areas, the, the Rotax engine... Is, is about all you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Because, you know, you're flying on MoGas and and that's what they're looking for. And they're not interested in other engines. You know, in South America, they don't want a Jabiru. You know, we love our Jabirus, but they don't want them. They're not going to sell a, a Jabiru to South America. You're just not. You're going to sell a Rotax 912. So go after the market. And that's what I think. All right. Well, um, anything else come to mind on uh, on engine options?
1: I'm personally looking for a, a two cylinder four stroke 150 horsepower engine. Um, that's Fadac, air cooled, direct drive for the for the Sonics
0: <laughs>
1: for five thousand dollars. There
0: you go. Yeah. Well, there you go.
1: <laughs> All right. I'll start working on it. Okay.
2: I've got an old Harley. I think I can uh, start scavenging parts from.
0: I hear there's a guy in Florida that has just what you need. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> yeah. And and that's that. That's only funny because there's like four different engine manufacturers in Florida. So I'll just <laughs> leave it to your imagination as to who. <laughs> All right. Uh, B model improvements. Um, you know. Now, granted, none of us are B model experts. You know John uh, you know refusing to sit in a B model lest you be tempted to buy one uh, but we have opinions about B models and what they ought to do. So John, what do you think Sonics ought to do to the B model to make it even better?
2: Well, I won't sit in one so I can't really evaluate the uh, <laughs> the expanded comfort and luxury of a B model versus an a model so
1: um, I'm, I'm not a really good cup holders we need cup holders.
3: There you oh, go. Oh,
2: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely cup holders, uh, parachute mounts, um, a BRS, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, Entertainment center. <laughs> well, that's that's our EFIS, and that's pilot choice.
0: Well, you know, um, the Dynon has an auxiliary inputs. So you can just hook your DVD player, your your uh, hook your iPad up to it, and and you can just replace those pesky flight instruments with your movie. So it's per- it's perfect. That probably is an option, actually. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> All right. So um, now that we've gotten <laughs> that out of your system, what are the real things? <laughs> <clears throat> Gary, any ideas? Um, I have a couple things that have been on my list, but I'll turn it over to you to take first stab at it.
1: Well, you know, again, I don't have any personal direct experience with the B model. Uh, but again, as far as I know... I've not seen really any drastic improvement in, in weather tightness of the canopy and cockpit area. And I, I still think that's one of the significant weaknesses of the design.
0: A way to do this might be to have um, a, a fiberglass or even a, a pre-molded ABS trim strip that fit over the, the canopy, yeah. you know, like a skirt that would attach. You know, or
1: some kind of a two-step rail underneath where, you know, you have the, uh, the canopy bows. If it was a two-step so that the, uh, uh, the canopy could rest inside of that second step with a, with a neoprene seal or something. I, I don't know, something
0: along right. those lines. Yep. Well, uh, for me, um, dual sticks, you know, I, I do like the single stick for the flexibility to, to fly it in the center and, and to enjoy it that way. But for me, you know, a lot of my flying is done with passengers. And I really enjoy having a dual stick airplane so that they can experience it also. You know, teaching my kids and other people, and so for me, that's important. I may be a a minority here, but I think a dual stick option would be uh, high on my list for B model improvements. You don't think the Y stick can do what you want to do? I don't think I should have to choose. I think I should get what I want when I want dual sticks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame. How's that? I don't blame. Dinosaurs in the room.
0: What can I say? (laughs) <laughs> the other thing is um that fuel filler being in, in inside the cabin um i think that a uh, sealing off the fuel filler from the inside of the cabin yeah, absolutely. i know that you could yeah. do it as a as a customer but it ought to be straight out of the box sealed away from the cabin yeah. there's no reason that people ought to have to do that themselves
1: that, that would be an excellent idea
0: and then uh, my last thought on B-model improvements, and this this is maybe uh, a topic of more discussion. A lot of companies are going to fully match hold, you know, where it's final rivet size, and you don't have to drill. I mean, these parts just fit together. You drop a cleco, you know, to, to, to hold the structure together, and you start shooting rivets. And um, I don't think that um, the state that the B-model is in right now, it would take that much additional work to get that thing fully matched hole drilled. And I think that would be a worthy goal to roll out. Um, think about you know how that might appeal to people who are really looking at the ease of a building and and want something that's gonna compete against an RB12 or, or the new Zenith kits or something like that. Um, fully matched hole, I think that would be a great improvement for the B model. All right, so um, discounting my dual stick, um, what else, guys? <laughs> what about the, uh,
3: I know we didn't, this is probably like a four-letter word, but um, they, they started putting on, you know, whoever, who was the guy that put the uh, 3D drawings on that they really squashed really fast, uh, Sonics did, uh, that was on the blog there?
1: Recently. I don't remember the name, but I know what you're talking about, yeah.
3: But anyhow, but I'm just wondering if, if Sonic should maybe pursue that, because... Guys like me who doesn't who don't know a lot, I mean, I kind of thought they were pretty cool. Just f- the little blurbs I saw of them, um, for getting a visual on things. But maybe I know they. I know they said cease and desist and all those things. But yeah. uh, I'm just wondering they're, they're, if it would be worth pursuing. You know, for guys that want stuff like that. They're trying to
2: protect their intellectual property, and they don't right. want guys taking. I mean, as as computers and and 3D printers and all this stuff comes out uh, and CNC, you know, home kind of guys, CNC guys, they don't want people being able to replicate their design and undercut their their business. And so I really do understand them trying to protect their intellectual property. And that's that was what that was.
1: Is annoying, oh, no, but having an AutoCAD system with you know a DVD system that would just show you assembly of parts, not necessarily specifications, perhaps, but that would be a that would be a great addition to a to a builder's log or builder's it, a manual.
2: It would, but it's a really touchy situation. I'm an IT guy, and it's one step from giving you a really cool drawing that you can flip around and look and see how things fit together to. Fitting that into a CNC machine and producing kits. Hmm.
1: I, I don't really think there's a lot of number of people that are going to be willing to do that. I mean,
3: most well, of uh, us I, are
2: willing to do I, I understand. The, the I, I understand that. But
1: yeah. if you get one guy, that's going to to run a uh, an AutoCAD program is is almost prohibitive just even to buy the, the hardware to run a program. So uh,
2: no, I mean, my my Mac that I have right now will do it. So it's. It's child's play once you get the design in the system if you have the resources.
0: I think maybe um, we can leave it to Builders would like some additional exploded views and some some ways to visualize assemblies. So maybe there's an opportunity to do both to protect their their intellectual property, but still offer and, you know more insight as to how things go together and using some of these 3D tools. Uh, I think
1: their plans are great, but having the, the the visual to go along with it, the 3D would be just superb.
2: I've been toying yeah. with uh, with building a zenith uh, the. Um, what's what's that new uh the sam the sam the sam they're providing fully blown 3d uh plans that you can buy to to just rotate through all the different components that's really cool but tell you what guys you're getting close to being losing your intellectual property if you let a lot of that stuff out so I, i i really do understand sonic's position on this and it's I think it's reasonable.
0: Hmm. All right. So, last piece. Um, what do we think that the next Sonics aircraft ought to be? Now, there's lots of options out there. So, aside from you know they could do this or they could do that. What do you think they should do?
3: Uh, the uh, a dual seat for the jet, of course.
0: A two seat jet, a two-seat tandem.
3: A tandem jet. Yep. Even side by side, because you don't have to worry about the CG. You know, so no, you want a side just by side, more like an E six B. There you go. There you go. That's exactly right. It'd just be like a side by side, and be you'd you, you have the uh, maybe just a little extra wing and a little more fuselage, and in the the length would be the same, and just hang a bigger uh, whatever that engine is. Just hang a bigger four engine
0: more. You know,
3: three more engines. So it's a four four burn. <laughs> Well, we could do two engines, like you know, you do one on the, uh, coming out east side.
1: You know? Nah, I don't. I don't <laughs> see a two seat sub, a subsonics being uh, big uh, money. That's probably not a. That's probably not a big seller. But no, yeah. I'd still go with a high wing. That would be something that would be a, a valuable addition to their their staple.
3: Yeah, I, I agree
0: with Gary. Okay, I think a high wing
1: or a folding wing, zenos uh, awesome.
0: Yes,
3: that
2: would be awesome. Okay,
0: so. W- what do you think a high wing should look like or should do? What, what, what is, what's the essential parameters you think that they ought to incorporate? I,
2: I think it should be a bush plane. Um, you know, basically what the Zenith, Zenith uh, 701 or 750 is, You know, a direct competitor to that. Gary, what do you think?
1: Well, I, I think they did so well in getting the maximum performance out of the, out of the Sonics airframe uh, with the power-to-weight ratio. Uh, I'd rather see them deal more with a with a high wing as a cruiser version uh, for real cross country stuff. I think it's going to be hard to compete with the Stole people like Kit Fox and Zenith and even Rans. Uh, but no one's really got a really uh, little speedster as far as a high wing. There, right?
3: Well, you got you have the Glass Star, right? Something like that. Is it, is it the Glass
1: well, Star? Yeah, we're, we're, tra- it we're, we're We're trying. I think we're trying to stay in in, in the Sonics. In a budget. Level. In a budget, yes. okay, gotcha. I mean, gotcha. certainly, money's no option. There's lots of options. Yeah. You know, I'd really get a Cessna TTX, but you know,
0: probably ain't going to happen, even though that's a low wing. But. So, Gary, I, I agree. I, I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past. I think that if if they take the same Sonic's philosophy, simple, robust you know, semi-boxy structures that are easy and efficient to build but perform really well. And you do something like a modern Sonics-inspired tailwind-type design, uh-huh. something that is very fast and very efficient. You get the um, the configuration of a high wing, kind of like a tailwind is set up, and, um, and I don't think they'd have a, a, a competitor around. If you could have a high-wing Sonics that cruised in the same re- range of speed that the low wings do, what would touch that you know in the same price point nothing nothing would touch it that would be my thought so <clears throat> so i think a sonic sized tailwind would be a great next project hopefully somebody's listening there <laughs> yeah maybe they
3: got something going on we don't know about you know it's hard telling
0: yeah, I, I know they've got, they've got sketches on every one of these ideas. It's just a matter of which one are they going to do, you know. So I think they just shuffle them like a deck of cards and then randomly pull one out. So maybe we can, maybe we can help the decision-making you need to process. Up,
3: Jeff, you need to set up a poll and say, put this thing out like now and say, okay, what would you guys like to see next?
0: Or we could just say to send Mark an email at mark at... There you at go, there you go. And just uh, just tell Mark what you want them to work on. What was his home phone number again? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> all right, so, um, yeah, that's what I think. I think uh, all the things they could work on. Um, you know, they could, they could keep refining, you know, the B model, or they could make legacy products. Um, they could make a tandem... One X, you know, where um, they could use that. They could try to retrofit folding wings onto a Xenos or a Sonics. Those are all interesting projects, and there would probably be some market appeal to each one of those. But I'm not sure that, I'm not sure how much. I think the current crop of high wings that are available are really those kind of bush type airplanes. There's a lot of them out there. And what we're seeing is everybody wants to go bigger, bigger engine, more performance and all that. But still there is no, yeah, they're, yeah, they're slow, but they're, they're, they're stole, they're true stole and they're becoming more capable stole, but no one is making the high wing cruiser that has delightful handling is easy and strong is everything that, you know, the Sonics is, but in a high wing, a little bit better for, you know, visibility to the ground, maybe a little bit bigger baggage compartment where you can throw a few more, more items back there, whatever, you know, people like different configurations for different reasons. I think that's a product that would attract a lot of people because this, the guy who maybe is going to build a Zenith cruiser, you know, might want to build a Sonics High Wing instead.
2: So you're talking about something to compete with like the Jabiru uh, J250.
0: Yes. Yeah, that would be a a competitor. You can't build a Jabberu for what I think you could build this, this Sonics High Wing, but uh, that would be the type of, of market I think that they could go after. You know, if they set modest expectations, you know, um, 130 mile an hour cruise, you know, who else can do 130 in a reasonably uh, cost efficient High Wing? You know, yeah, that Glass Star will do it, but who else will do it? I can't think of anybody. Can't think of anybody else, no. Anyway, that's where I think the market uh, is ripe for them to come in with a new design. Everything else I'd like to see, but I think that the High Wing is the place to go. I second that. The last thing that, that kind of comes to mind is, um, you know, now with basic med, and there's a, there's some opportunity that they could grow the Sonics slightly. So, before, keeping it sport pilot legal was a big incentive. They wanted to have, you know, the airplane be legal for sport pilots to fly, and uh, and that's great. You know, we we benefited from those decisions. Namely, you know, what does the wing look like to keep the stall speed where it needs to be to meet the definition of, of light sport? Well, now you have a bunch of people who are no longer necessarily going to be flying on sport pilot. They're going to be flying basic mud, And they don't need to meet sport pilot limitations. So you can put a little bit different wing on there, one that maybe doesn't have quite the low stall speed that, that the current wing does but you get a little bit um, extra high altitude cruise speed, you know. So so what could you do if you took essentially like a B-model type airplane, you put a the largest engine that we're still talking about, like a like 130-horse UL or a 120-horse Jabiru, you know, Gen 4, something like that. We're not talking crazy. But you put, put an engine like that on it, you put a little different wing, and you try and get, um, you optimize it for a little bit, Better cruise, especially at higher altitude. Maybe a little different airfoil, maybe a little hot different aspect ratio, whatever. Just, you know, let John get creative. But if you no longer have to hold the stall speed to qualify as light sport, what could you do with minimal change? I think that would be interesting to, to see what they come up with also. Because, John, um, you know, you're not flying under sport pilot, right? No, I have a, I have my uh, medical in full private. So, if Sonics was to say, "Hey, uh, would you be willing to accept a few extra miles per hour on the stall speed, and we're going to get you better cruise speed out of it? Would Would you like to make that trade?" Oh, I would make I would make
2: the trade because I I land way over stall speed, so
1: it it won't (laughs) affect me.
3: That's
1: right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people who say, you know, I would like to make that that trade. I, I'm okay giving up a little bit of stall speed in order to get a little bit higher cruise speed. And now that I don't have to meet Sport Pilot because I got basic met again, I'm good. And I think that just people want that. I don't
2: like flying my Sonics at stall speed. I really don't. <laughs> I come in fast because I like to have that extra punch to get through any gust or, you know, any deviation at the, at the ground. So I just... And I'm not like Gary. Gary lands in like 30 feet. No, I'm I'm a thousand feet.
0: All right. Well, anyway, th- those are uh, those are my thoughts, and um, uh, thanks, guys, for your thoughts too. Hopefully, Sonics will have something to chew on and our butts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. Um, Mark, just go ahead and and send me a slew of nasty grams on on uh, you know what we talked about. All right, guys. Um, as we, as we kind of wrap up the, uh, the look back, the 2018 look ahead, and our most wanted list, what other general things are we, are we either looking forward to Sonics doing, or covering, or we are personally going to be doing? What, what do we miss in our discussion as we kind of wrap this up? What else is out there? A bigger
1: Sonics party probably multiple nights at Oshkosh
0: there we go yeah that's that's right because um with the with no longer doing the um the builders party yeah we we need a good sonics party so either the wednesday party at at wayne's or you know maybe that needs to become the premier event but we need something we need something big that we can we can really kind of rally behind we started camp sonics so that needs to be maintained and expanded and i have the banner so uh, it'll be hanging up next to Camp Sonics this year. Okay, and we but we need maps and and how people can navigate to
2: there and probably get there. Yeah, some sort of uh, instructions to the uh, Air Venture folks that the Sonics boys are here and this is where they belong.
3: I agree.
0: All right, so uh, Mike, you're going to have to learn to yodel and okay. uh, every morning.
3: Every morning, okay. I'll do that.
0: You can, you can, yeah, you can take the place. and You don't uh, want to hear me practice here, though, so I'll just,
3: yeah, <laughs> I'll practice before I get up there. I'll practice at Sun and Fun. How's
0: that? Yeah, that's right. Actually, um, I, I am really looking forward to both Sun and Fun and Oshkosh. I do have the Camp Sonics banner. It's all ready to go. Isaac and I are going to be flying into Sun and Fun. Isaac is actually going to be presenting a forum this year on building a, a Sonics project. In... in trying to do it as a kid, you know, trying to, to do school and gymnastics and Boy Scouts and all the other things that, that teens have to go through. So that'll be interesting. Uh, more on that as we get a little closer to Sun and Fun. But that's going to be interesting. He's a little nervous, but uh, he'll be okay. When when are you planning on doing that? Just uh, midweek, or are you going to go down for
3: the whole time? Or
0: uh, I'm waiting on the, the, the actual day. Um, we're going to be there probably the whole week. Um, but Sun and Fun has to schedule the forum and then confirm the exact time. It'll be early in the week, though, probably like Wednesday. Oh, okay. So you you still interested in John going down, or, or Gary, you going to go down?
1: Well, I, I was offered the use of an aircraft but I wanted to go down to Sun and Fun, so there's always a possibility. It depends on how much work I can get done.
0: Yeah, do
2: it. It's unlikely for me. I'm uh, saving my vacation time for the Hash. Uh,
0: Okay, well, uh, come on down, you know. And Mike, if you if you fly down, great. If you just uh, take a day and pop in, kind of like I did
3: last time, huh?
0: Yeah, either one. We're going to be camping probably most of the week. Um, my plan is to come in on Tuesday and stay through the weekend, so we ought to be there the whole time. Good. I think that's probably um, a good place to kind of cut this off. We uh, we've got our our topic list that we can start fleshing out and developing and there is going to be a ton of good stuff coming out this year and i'm really looking forward to a lot of these topics some of these have been a long time coming and and uh, it'll be good to kind of finally get to them and cross these off the list and how long
1: have we been doing this again
0: well this is the second year the second full year so we started in uh september i think it was of 2016 Damn. so time goes by so, fast yeah almost 18 months that's right and we've we've covered a lot of good information. so there's there's a lot more that we need to get out there and and uh, I look forward to, to hopefully contributing to a bunch of people's successful projects. That's the fun part. All right, guys, uh, good discussion. Thanks for your thoughts. we'll uh, we'll definitely get back on and talk about any feedback we get as a result of this discussion. So if everybody says, Jeff, you're smoking something, here, you need to move back to Colorado so you can do it legally because there's no way anybody wants dual sticks in a B-model, then um, I'll share that here. I'll be the first to admit that I was wrong. <laughs> All right, well, for everybody else, uh, you know the drill. You can find us on the web at sonicsflight.com. The show notes are available off the website, sonicsflight.com slash 2 You can subscribe to the show in uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts Google Play, whatever your favorite podcast app is, or you can listen to it right off of the off of the webpage using just your, your computer browser. If you have feedback, send us an email to feedback at sonicsflight.com, or you can find that email address off our, our homepage also. And uh, send us those suggestions and feedback topics and possibly hate mail. Mark, I'm talking to you, so fire it all off our way guys uh i look forward to talking to you again um it's been too long and it's good to be back in the saddle right john absolutely i mean i'm I'm with you man (laughs) (laughs) all right guys have a good week and uh hopefully get some flying in over the weekend
3: all right guys till later all right man see you guys thanks for having me on see
0: you bye
2: I just want to mention, Jeff, that when you hooked me into this whole podcast thing, it was going to be one per month.
0: <laughs> it is. It's a it's a monthly
2: episode. <laughs> it's a monthly episode that happens almost every third week or every other week. <laughs>
3: you know what? I was I was finding myself missing it while he was gone out of the country. So well, Jeff, Jeff, I wasn't. Was the I didn't. Family.
2: I didn't. I did not miss it at all. <laughs> so <laughs>